Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanam, Mr. Rob, Zane, and Ken. We got episode 97. Lots going on in the world that we got to talk about, including pop culture, a little bit of fashion, and then we're going to have our Give Me Five again this episode. So let's get right to it. Get right down to it. This was the week that everybody was waiting for, for R. Kelly's trial to come to a conclusion. R. Kelly's trial came to a conclusion and he was found guilty on all accounts of racketeering and sex trafficking. Um, Not only was he found guilty, I don't know why Bill Cosby decided that he was gonna have a position and issue a statement statement on it also. What are your thoughts on R. Kelly being found guilty and Bill Cosby even having anything to say about R. Kelly? Um, for R-, R. Kelly, I think that listen, that was like a foregone conclusion because they tried, tried him in multiple states. Like, if they didn't get him one place, they wouldn't get him somewhere. The interesting part is that everybody was unanimous across everywhere. Basically, he got convicted. And every state, Chicago, New York, like, you know, Utica, he was kicking pin or something. Like, well, he got convicted. But, and then Bill Cosby, you know what's funny? Throughout his whole life and everything, when he was in it, in like big in the television industry, he never really took a stand on anything. So this is the hill he chooses to stand on, R. Kelly. Look, well, you know why that is. You know why that is. It probably hits close to home for him. His position is that uh, that R. Kelly was railroaded. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I subscribe to that. I think it was only a matter of time for R. Kelly, though. You know, R. Kelly to me has one of the greatest defense attorneys of all time. If he used the same defense attorney, because that first case he beat, where he said they literally had on tape somebody who looked exactly like him, yeah. and the tape was circulating around the hood, and he was like, "That's not me." Yeah. Still, case, I think it's only a matter of time. Like you know, you keep playing with fire, and you're gonna get burned. As far as um, Bill Cosby having a position on it, I'm, I'm, I would say that I'm disappointed in Bill Cosby, but it seems like this is the, the, the new Bill Cosby. I think what I'm more disappointed in is the fact that this has become like almost like a narrative that, that we begin to accept. So when a dude is convicted of sexual assault, we automatically go to, um, you know, well, the women set, the women set him up or yeah. it couldn't happen, or it's, you know, his story versus his story. We automatically go to that. And then there's another narrative that's, that, um, like we, we talked about, I think uh, a couple of episodes ago, we saying Nicki Minaj, or, well, her defense for her husband before, when she was talking about her husband, was like, oh, well, you know, uh, it was a white woman and this, that, and come to find out the black lady from his neighborhood. And I think that these, these, these things have been almost like weaponized to defend the sexual assault culture. You know, and, and as, for as many people that probably are like, yeah, we knew this was coming, this is a foregone conclusion, I think that he still has a lot of supporters left and a lot of people who still believe that he's innocent, despite the fact that they made two documentaries. They had 40, I heard they had 40 some guests that they rolled out, 40 yeah. some witnesses. And somebody, somebody said, which is crazy to me, somebody said, all 40 of those women couldn't have been telling the truth for all 40 of those people. So to me, it's like, if it was 12 out of the 40, that's <laughs> well, I mean, the whole the whole thing is crazy. Like, I don't I don't remember the exact interview, but I remember when Nas was having that that beef with DZ, and they were doing best for both worlds. And the, and, and um, R. Kelly stuff started coming up, and I remember Nas making a statement like, "If you've been around R. Kelly or something, everybody knows 
this is kind of like how he rolled. So it's like, it wasn't a secret. Everybody that worked with him and different stuff knew how he kind of moved. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard stories of um, him having recording sessions and having four women butt naked in each corner while he recorded. And like inside information, people have told, people have told me this um, yeah. about him. And I, it's just, you know, it's, 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 um, it's unfortunate, you know, he to me, is somebody that I think like is is officially canceled. Like I don't know when the last time I've heard an R. Kelly song on the radio. When's no. the last time? No, I, I haven't heard it. I, I will say this: he's still big in the in the um. They still play him in the stepping joints, and you still catch him in a in a in a, in a, a black wedding every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> love, so <laughs> he ain't yeah, getting no money off of that. But <laughs> yeah, his net worth is negative two million. I think they said. Yeah, he he should. You know what's funny about this whole thing? When I when I look at his whole situation, I gotta believe that in the beginning of this, they offered him a deal. I'm sure they probably did. Right now, this fool could have took a deal for something maybe like ten years, and it sounds like a lot. But after those ten years, he probably would have had thirty, forty million dollars. Now he's completely depleted, going to jail, probably for, they're going to put like football numbers. You're going to think that this was like, um, check my bowl or something. You got 97 years consecutive or something. Because all of the you got racketeering, child, child sex trafficking. Yeah. He's, he's going to, um, he's going to appeal though. I think it's, I think it's standard practice to appeal. I don't know what he has appeals with, with the grounds on for an appeal, but I'm sure he'll appeal. I mean, I don't know what the he I'm sure he's gonna appeal, but are they gonna allow him to appeal without being remanded to custody? No, no, he's definitely staying in. He's yeah. staying in, he's definitely, he's yeah. not getting out. Like, there's no, I don't think they've ever offered him bond. You know, I yeah. don't think he, I don't think he, like, he's staying in, he's not gonna get out. He's gonna, he's gonna go through the appeal and hope that he wins on the appeal and then get released if he wins on the appeal. I don't know, I haven't follow, followed the trial that close to see if there was like um, prosecutorial misconduct or anything. Yeah. I, I, it seems like that they had like really sound, strong evidence and strong testimony against them that led to the conviction. But you know something I will say, and this is gonna sound bizarre, because I'm gonna say it in R. Kelly's defense. I don't think R. Kelly could have got a fair trial anyway. No. I think R. Kelly's Not been in my opinion. Like, you know how some people request for a check, I wanna change the venue, I wanna yeah. have my trial somewhere else or whatever. I think he's such a notable person. His case is so high profile that there's no way possible he could have got a fair trial. And I wonder if he, he if it could have been a circumstance where he possibly got like a bench a bench trial where the judge is a person ruling on it and he didn't have a jury. Like what kind of jury would, would ever find R. Kelly innocent? R. Kelly's case was so big that like even if you checked and you seen on the Spanish channels like Telemundo and stuff, they were talking about R. Kelly's case or his thing. When you flip through the channels, I'm like, wait a minute, that R. Kelly on that? But if you, if you think about it, he would have had, I don't, R. Kelly would have had to get trialed in, in Paraguay or someplace where they never heard of him for him to get a fair, a fair, dip, fair shot. But realistically, I mean, there's no way you could say he didn't, I didn't do all of that. Like you said, you know, 12 out of 40 is still 12. I mean, you <laughs> Yeah. And then, then when you look at him, like, he don't help himself because they people referencing the songs, like, wait a minute, the songs sound like exactly what he did. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I, you know, Bill Cosby to me right now is a different person. Man. It's like when, when you get away or you get off, I think you need to you need to kind of fall back. But at, at first, then, then he was trying to go like on a comedy tour or something and yeah, issue a statement about no this. Yeah. Is he trying to? Is he trying to like I guess like like trying to polish up his reputation because it's been tarnished or is he trying to say that this is something that systemically plagues black men that you know black successful men are going to get railroaded with what's this what is he what's he trying to convey i think he's trying to say he gets railroaded but he what he needs to look at right now he's thinking along the terms of being railroaded he needs to take that oj simpson example where they could double dip on his ass they'll find something else he keeps putting himself out there making statements they'll start looking through his taxes and everything else Find two home with him and he'll be in there because he stole his own autographs or something. So it's the OJ, the OJ joint. OJ, OJ was trying to profit off a of murder. I didn't do it, but if I did it, this is how I would have did it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe when Bill Cosby tried to go on a comedy tour. Like, I mean, first of all, let's be realistic. Bill Cosby ain't been on a comedy tour since Sidney Poitier, the seventies or something. So who the hell want to hear Bill Cosby tell jokes, even if he wasn't arrested? What jokes was Will Cosby going to tell on the front? Somebody would have no pudding pops or nothing. I guess you know what, though? Clout. Maybe, it, you know, maybe whoever was around him was like, now is the time. Like, put out your memoir. You know, do, do shoot a documentary. You know, I, I think he was going for clout. But somebody, somebody, yeah. somebody got in his hand and told him, like, nah, just fall back and enjoy life out of prison. He got a hell of a story, though. Imagine if he was to write like his memoirs uh, in terms of when he was locked down, what his story would be like. I mean, I hate to say it, like Bill Cosby, he'll write it. You know when they go to the bookstore show? When Bill Cosby, yeah, when he's dead. Yeah. Everybody don't want to know about what happened when he's dead. And then, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, so where does R. Kelly go from here? Like, if he's officially canceled, he's not getting spins on the radio, nobody's buying his music, he's not producing any new music. You know, like, what is, what, how does he monetize his name? Like, I guess I'm sure he could license his name, but what, what kind of licensing would he get? Like, maybe license his name for, I want to give up, I want a biography film. It's going to be an authorized biography or something, or... Like, wait, how does he monetize his name to stay afloat at this point? I mean, for R. Kelly, this is what he's got to think about. Like, if it comes down to it, I go through a pill, and it comes out you're not going to get the pill, he might as well go the other direction with it, because unless he truly doesn't give a damn about nobody else, he still got, like, you know, uh, what I understand, a couple of kids out there from different women, yeah, yeah, all types of stuff going on, you know. Just go out there if you lose their pill and be like, you know what? I'm gonna tell you the real story and tell the real story. And you try to sell a story? Yeah, because be, to be honest with you, like, I don't, again, I don't think that he didn't do this, but I don't think some of these parents are like complicit in the situation either. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like the Michael Jackson thing. Like, when I used to get on Michael Jackson, if some, somebody said Michael Jackson molested a kid, you take your kid to Michael Jackson afterwards. He's there. Yeah. yeah. So, if it's, oh, I'll tell you, you're taking people's kids and disappearing, and you bring your kid to them, but I mean... That's probably one of the things, honestly, that I'm sure that he gotta be upset about, because he's, he, yo, he's gonna hit with, he's gonna get hit with some serious time, but, you know, yeah. where are the managers? So, mm -hmm. I heard somebody mention the other day saying his wife, like, you know, his wife had to know, you know, yeah. all the finger-ons and all the people, the parents that were bringing their kids over yeah. to him, knowing all this stuff, so yeah, there, there are other people, definitely. That um, that you know should be in the mix. You, so what you saying? You think R. Kelly should pull a Takashi and um, take everybody down? 
You should. Why not? Right. If, if you go, if you go on a, a pill and they're gonna tell like you got forty-seven years, you go on a pill and they're like, nope, and you gonna end up doing thirty-nine years at fifty. So he might as well tell on everybody under the sun. He's like, yeah, listen. When so, I was at the record label. Tell a story. You think yeah. it's like that? Yeah. Yeah, think about it. When I'm at the, he can tell stories. You gonna tell me the record label didn't know? Some weird stuff going on. Studios at the label. Man. I mean, it was the uh, yeah, it was it was the worst kept secret I think like for, for years, and it, that's not that's crazy too because him and Bill Cosby stuff was like it was just like it was commonly known like it was it was almost used as like a punchline like how many people you heard running around talking about yo I'm a R Kelly person or yeah. I'm a to do that or or Rufy and you know Rufy and Bill call a Cosby on this person. Yeah. Like these are things that we, I think we just accepted about these people, and it's 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 sad that we've accepted it, and we've become conditioned to believe that these things are okay. I think the only way he, that he survives and he could be financially stable, you know, if that's his concern, I'm sure right now his mental health is probably yeah shot. But if he wanted to continue to make money to support his children, then I think he has to figure out a way to monetize. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe he could ghostwrite some songs from prison or something. That can't let him do it. They'll let him do that. He, they can't stop him. But they listen, they can't stop him because it's not like he's like make, singing them over the phone or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. He ain't like, laying no reference tracks, but maybe he no. can. And yeah. you know what? The, the emphasis on ghostwriting because I think that he, if it comes out that he wrote the songs, then you know people are like, nah, you know, you are like people will ridicule. You'll get ridiculed probably for working on using it. Yeah, you couldn't even use uh, yeah. But he could, he could do something around that or something. I mean, some people's careers is bombing out. They could use some R. Kelly tracks. <laughs> something, I mean, Trey Songs probably should link up with him before he go to jail. See if he get a couple of tracks. He's going in the wrong direction. Oh, man. Yo, did you get a chance to watch uh, BMF yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think of it? I, I thought it was pretty good. Which I like the fact that I guess they're selling it from Meech's perspective or something. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you're laugh, I actually think I like that more than I like these new power spin-offs. Really? Yeah, because some of these, some of this power stuff, like they don't like. I'll give you some example. Canaan one, the kid Canaan doesn't match the adult Canaan. Like you gonna have to do like six seasons to you have to do six seasons to get me to the dude that's adult from this. Yeah, game. yeah, definitely doesn't. You don't see that. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't even see this kid. Turn it into the Caden that they had or something. You would have to become a completely different person. Yeah, yeah. I like, I mean, I like Raising Canaan. I thought Raising Canaan was better than um, Power, well, Power Book 2 is oh, Ghost, right? With Tariq. Yeah. I thought it was better than that. I like yeah. BMF also. Um, but the reason why I brought this topic up, topic up is because I, I was listening the other day and I heard somebody say that they feel like 50 Cent has brought us all this content, but all the content seems to be surrounding drug dealing culture. And yeah. is it that 50 hasn't found another story to tell or is he glorifying drug dealing culture? And I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, sure. When you think about like the Power Series, you think about BMF, he did, um, yeah, for life on on um mm-hmm. on BC. But that was that wasn't so much about drug dealing, that was about the gentleman that was in prison and he came yeah, like a, yeah, a lawyer and stuff like that. I don't you know, I wonder why 50 Cent receives this type of criticism for continually continuously telling these same stories, but then there are other people that produce and direct 
that they tell the same stories over and over also. You know, yeah. like, I don't know, 50 Cent, I think, has probably found with his, why is it, why is the narrative that he's promoting drug culture instead of he found his sweet spot as a creator? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that this is, is a lot of times where people get messed up is they go out of their lane or something. Like, we wouldn't want to see 50 Cent making romantic comedies because that's just not, that's just not who he is. So he's probably speaking from a perspective of what he knows, what he's seen, and he can relate to these people. And the, the fact that I think it's more so people, people who come up with this stuff don't like the fact that it's necessarily successful. You don't hear about people talking about other dudes quitting Tarantino with that coke and every movie. Yeah, you don't hear nothing about that. You know, because it's referenced in a different way, or that's they're comfortable with that. Oh, a hippie dude can use coke, or this guy can use blow, or whatever he's doing, and they're fine with that. But I, I really think that, I mean, I hate to say it, I think it's hard for minorities to make money off of things that are what's not that's kind of like taboo. Like, there's what's in like liquor, drugs, guns, all those type of things. Like, Smith and Wesson could sell guns for 100 years. Let, what's in, let, let us start a gun company. People be going crazy. Yeah. You know, um, think about like a Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese yeah. made all those Italian gangster films. <laughs> all of them. And nobody ever said, people looked at him and was like, oh, this is a great piece of art. Yeah. Nobody was like, I'm well, now, I'm certainly I'm not comparing 50 Cent to Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, you know, I guess the reason why this comes up also is because there's like a huge... A uh, 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 huge narrative being pushed also about how art is really tainting people in the community. That you know, music is a huge contributor to why people are doing drugs or committing violence. And now with this, maybe potentially film is glorifying it. And I don't know. I've always been one that I didn't, I didn't necessarily subscribe to music being um, yeah. a contributor as to why people do things, you know, because I, I always felt like there's music, there's video games, there's film, yeah. there's everything, there's just so much, so many things that you see that can influence a person to do something, so I wasn't, I'm not so quick to throw it off on that this has to do with film, but I do think it's probably about the success of it, because it's successful, yeah. and he continues to do it, you know, it, it's almost like, like Tyler Perry, look how many Medea films he made, he wouldn't have yeah. kept making those Medea films which pretty much is almost like the same film, but just a different scenario for Medea yeah. if they weren't successful, you know? Yeah. And the fact that he has an audience, I heard somewhere that um, as a result of Raising Canaan, that Star's got a million um, a million new subscribers to the channel. And now he already got greenlit for um, season two of BMF. Yeah, well, you gotta, you gotta figure, he's making money, he's making companies money. This is kind of like his big comeback. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think, listen, I think he probably gets a little glory out of putting songs in the, in the you know, in the shows, but mm-hmm. I don't think he ever really wants to go down that way or lane anymore. I don't think that's where he sees it at. And when you look at it, if he can be successful with what he's doing and he has a formula of successful, as much as people individually or different people will complain, Stars is not going to complain. So, okay. so the, people that, the people that count, you know, for him to be successful are not going to complain. And as far as, like, the influence on, you know, families and kids and different stuff, I mean, people walk outside their house right now every day in certain neighborhoods and see it firsthand. Exactly. Yeah, the TV is not, the TV, if you're in that situation, the TV's not showing you anything different than what some people are seeing right now. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. figure, I mean... 
the the first the first influential place is the place you live, where you live and who you're around, what you see day to day. This comes on once, you know, ten episodes for ten weeks within yeah. once a year. And with these guys see this ten hours a day, every single day of the year. So Yeah, yeah. It's I I agree with in, in terms of like I think this is a great way for Sicky to reinvent himself. I actually like the music. In the in the in the TV show is better than the, music, the actual music that Fifty do at this point. Yeah. Like, and, and you know, not a lot of people have life after music. And he's shown that he's a really good business person. And the other thing about the BMF, um, the BMF BMF show that I really like and I appreciate is that this is a this is an actual story that he's telling. Yeah, you know, this is not something that's made up. Like he's telling a story, actually, the, the Black Mafia family. So, you know, how many seasons it lasts, and, and if it continues to garner um, the attention of, of the masses for multiple seasons, I think that remains to be seen. But for now, it looks like he's got another hit show on his hand. You know what I think is interesting about it too? That perspective that people never look at is if you look at all of these shows and different stuff, right, they show a different side of what they think black people even doing these things are actually like. So every time you see these things, they think of a bunch of disorganized people running around in the corner shooting each other and doing crazy mm-hmm. things. In none of these shows you see that. You see highly organized people in businesses, get, making more businesses, looking to possibly get out of the business and legitimize mm-hmm. and do other things. It is very organized. So I think it kind of dispels some of the stuff that people think too, because they want this belief to be that it's a bunch of wild people just running around doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it, it's, it's not. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. If you, I mean, if, if you even go back to Power, you know, like the story being told in Power about the original one about Ghost trying to yeah. get out of the game and go legit being a club owner. Yeah. Um, you know, and just like the the difference in terms of different dynamics and relationships with his children, his wife, um, the, his childhood sweetheart, and all this stuff. Like, yeah, it, it's and you see that theme like even now, like the raising Canaan with um the late I think her name is Rock. You know, like how she's supposed to be how to build a family business and the enterprise, and you know, like there's subtle themes in there. I think also of her like trying to promote like female leadership and feminism and stuff like that. Like these are the hidden, these are the undercurrents I think that people don't see because I think they just go to, it is, it's another story, another story about drug dealing. But if you think about it, like there's a whole genre of of books. You know, you have the, even before, so back in the days for film, there was black exploitation. And then for books, you had street, what is it called, street literature. Um, yeah. Yeah, like Donald Warren's books people used to read. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had Kwame T's on here, we had Kwan. Like, these are all different authors that kind of have this lane of telling these stories. And believe me, that if these stories weren't appealing and they didn't sell, people wouldn't, people wouldn't tell them. Yeah. You know, wouldn't tell him. So I see nothing wrong with, with him um with him doing it and making these shows because I think at the end of the day the consumer's gonna be the one that tells them if they tired of seeing them. Yeah. You know, if he did power book three or four and he's doing a thing on Tommy or whatever it is, and people are like, nah, I'm off this, then we'll know. Like, all right, we've gotten enough of this content. We need you to change and try something different or do something different. But for now, it seems yeah. like that to me, he's in a position where he's producing really good content. I think he knows who his core audience is. I think he knows how to market to his audience yeah. really good. I think he understands like the like cross marketing also by putting music in there. He's given a lot of actors, I think, a color 
um, an opportunity to further their career. If you look at the, the people who's directing, I looked at um, BMF, the director for um, for BMF was, um, was, was one of the women that used to be in Tyler Perry movies. Yeah, yeah, I see. And I think uh, she was the, the woman who played like the um, I don't know if you remember this. You remember CB4? Yeah, yeah. I think she was. I think she played in CB4 too, and was Trustus' um, girlfriend or something like that. I forget what okay. her But you know, giving her an opportunity, you know, like so you look at stuff like that, and it's like like one of the episodes was the um, uh, Raising Canaan. I think was even directed by the dude Lou that's in it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So for him to actually be creating these opportunities, telling these stories, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it, and I hope that he continues to get the support of the viewers and the support of stars while he's doing it, and not, and he's not deterred to move. Fifty Cent has a strong constitution, so I don't think he'll be easily deterred anyway. Yeah. Not deterred to move away from stories that people clearly are interested in. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Man, you know a story that I'm really not interested in? Why the hell is Dog the Bounty Hunter helping to look for Gabby Petito's boyfriend? Like, how did that come about? See, I mean, when you think of that, like, this is a man who was who got vilified on TV, taken out, got all drugged out, all types of stuff, and I think this is like a, a, a ditch to be relevant. I don't even think, how can we even take this man seriously as a bounty hunter? I mean, this dude lives in Hawaii, there's something you know flew to the states from hawaii to hunt down somebody in the everglades or something talking about the parents went on two um the parents went on two camping trips since he disappeared i mean unless unless he with him i'm surprised they're not trying to film it or something that'll be he next probably right? is. yeah he probably is so you think i mean i know he had he had all that heat on him when he got caught using the n-word yeah. um <laughs> and then he, I think, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. His his response or apology to it was that that when he died, he's supposed to be buried in a in a, in a, a slave cemetery. Yeah. Something, something crazy. He said. I think he's been going through a lot. He had that, and I know his wife passed away. Yeah. Um, so I I do think that I think that this is something for him to kind of get attention and to try to get some positive PR yeah. around. But I'm gonna be honest with you. Like at the height of Dog the Bounty Hunters. Career. I'm, I just, I've never taken him serious. I've no. never seen him doing anything that he did. No, I, 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 I never thought. I, I thought he was more of a comic relief. Like you, this dude out here, I kind of liken him to what's that? That tiger dude? They the same dude? Oh, uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. I know you're talking yeah. about the Tiger King man. Yeah, they both were saying like jokes. <laughs> man, the Tiger King dude. Dog the Bounty Hunter. It, it just, it, I, I don't even like. I'm pretty much sure the family did not call Dog the Bounty Hunter. He's he getting a lot of press. He's getting a lot of press. I, I think um, I looked on one of the um, new, like a newspaper today online, and he was on the front cover, and it was like Dog the Bounty Hunter said that he's closing in on on Gabby Petito's boyfriend. Like it just, and then even if you click on like CNN, go to CNN.com yeah. or something, or Fox, whatever it is. This dude is like front and center, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, how did he become the primary on this case? Like, how did he become the go-to? Like, yo, let's just, all the expert, the legitimate people, the people who don't have a TV show, step to the side that have been doing this probably forever, and now he's out here talking about, I read, I read an article where they said that he was at, um, 
he thought that he was close because he found camping ground and he found a monster energy drink can that wasn't rusted. So he suspects that he's on a trail. What the hell is he, Scooby-Doo in the mystery machine? Scooby-Doo in the game? We got Doug the Bounty Hunter out there, right? Doing, I guess, what the FBI can't do? Is that what we're saying? The FBI can't catch him. Let's get Doug the Bounty Hunter. So the FBI... You know what's funny about this case, too? Is I don't want to get nobody all riled up or nothing crazy, right? But in, in, in the black person's perspective, if I would have identified a truck and then an hour later found that there's a body, guess what? The boyfriend wouldn't have been the only suspect. I would have been one of the suspects, too. Mm -hmm. So don't get me wrong. I'm pretty much sure a dude bugged out. They had gotten into some kind of fight before or something crazy. Yeah. I don't think you would just be disappearing. If it, like disappearing is not a, a an act for somebody that's not guilty. Yeah. So even if he resurfaced, I don't think he can get past that one. That's gonna be hard. Nah, but, I'm not. I'm I'm putting out there. I think he did it. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, like, if this was a black, if, if this if this was a black young lady, you think Dog the Bounty Hunter would have volunteered his services? No. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> without. Without Laquisha, getting in, LaQuisha from Compton. LaQuisha from Compton went missing. I mean, you think about it, you know, without getting into like, you know, specific things, we had cases where black, black girls disappeared and stuff like that. I didn't even see the FBI get involved. Yeah. Let them go to the bounty hunter or something. Yeah, they wrapped that up in two weeks. Yeah, so. They wrapped that up in two weeks. Yeah, they, they, get, they get that stuff done out of the way. Like, we think, apparently, somebody was saying like, there's somebody right now in Phoenix or something, I believe that either a girl or a dude that been he done disappeared for weeks and stuff. And I know I know, you know, they usually we disappear, they think it's a runaway. So <laughs> it's a different your parents is looking it's not a runaway. But again, it's not I don't I'm trying to figure out even too how the FBI gets involved in a case like this because missing persons cases happen every day. So it's how so Yes. It's because it's so high profile on a, on, from a national level, and you know it's getting all this media attention. Like I think that's why they um they they have involvement. But yeah, I I just don't um dog the bounty hunter. Like I would I would I would have I would have rather them call up the cast of Police Academy. <laughs> you know, dog the dog the bounty on it. It's like, yeah, this dude is a joke. Really? This is what we're doing? It doesn't sound good. The FBI and Doug's joint task force. Dog the bounty hunter and the FBI joint task force. Looking for Gabby Petito. I'm gonna tell you what's crazy. You know what's what's crazy to that? Now if he found the dude and the FBI can't find him, then that really make you step back and be like, oh man, like yeah, we really in trouble. Somebody gonna let kid disappear. I'm gonna call up. No, don't call FBI. I call Dog the Bounty Hunter. It's fine. Maybe you know. Maybe this could be his new um his his new lane for him to go searching for um for missing people, tracking people that tracking down high profile cases. I mean, he's been chasing that. Usually, when I whenever I seen Dog the Bounty Hunter, he was chasing down dudes who skipped bail in Hawaii. Yeah. That they they got locked up. They was in the trunk tank. They never showed up for court. They he rolled up on their house. Give him a coke and a cigarette and bring him out. Yeah. Call him today. Come here, come here, brother. Come on out, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, and that was the extent of, I guess, like his his work. And you know what the crazy thing is? He'll have a dude that it could be a dude that that they they was locked up for um car accident or something, outstanding ticket. 
him and his crew are rolled up. They got on bulletproof vests. Yeah. They got walkie-talkies and all this stuff or whatever for a dude who they they going to apprehend that was he 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 left mm-hmm. out of a accident or something like that. Yeah. You know. I, 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 I wonder if he's out there with his crew too, because that'd be hilarious watching the FBI and Dog and his crew side by side, like one of them walking around together. The FBI ain't talking. I'm sure the FBI ain't even talking to Dog and around drinking a cause white, telling people listen, you got to go. He's walking through the Everglades with cause white, talking about listen, I got this under control. <laughs> oh man, yo, I gotta, I gotta, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this. I'm a. I gotta show you this though, because our next topic is we we gonna talk about Kanye West and his um his ninety dollar gap hoodie. So for those who haven't seen it, this is a hoodie. This is a hoodie right here. And let's 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 make sure people can see it clearly. So he got an exclusive deal with Russell. Kanye West gap hoodie. Are you here for the Kanye West Gap, a Gap hoodie? You signing up for the $90 hoodie or, or, or it's trash? That $90 hoodie looks like a Russell Athletics hoodie or something. That thing probably should cost about $19.99 or something. He will, because Kanye, Kanye puts him, he, he, I would be surprised if you see him wearing it. He already, I saw a picture of him wearing it. Oh, um, I saw him, yeah, I saw him wearing it. And I think that's his, I think that's what he's trying to do, you know, like his, it's gonna go for ninety dollars because his name is on it. But honestly, yeah. and and to me, for a really good hoodie, it, I've spent more than ninety dollars. Yeah, yeah, I have. So it's it's not like let's not say that ninety dollars is outrageous. But for the quality of that hoodie, from Gap, ninety dollars yeah. is outrageous. Like literally, he, he couldn't even put Yeezy. He couldn't put put uh, Kanye. He couldn't even put Gap on it. It's just nothing. It's a plain hoodie that you yeah. get from Walmart for probably nine dollars. The, most people would prefer to have that hoodie that say Gap on the front with the blue letters. That, that's the that one. That's for better quality than that one. Yeah, I guess you know a lot of people look at Kanye and say that he has genius level talent. And I, I, I think that there are things that Kanye has done that I'm like, okay, like that's extremely creative. Uh, it's hard for me to anoint him a genius, being that we're still in the present day. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that there are things that, like, I, I've seen him do things in music and in fashion that weren't necessarily popular, but then became embraced. And I'll give you an example, like, even with his, um, his sneakers, you know, like, he's one of the people that he brought to the mainstream, like, the da- the big dad shoe, where people yeah. wear, like, the biggest, uh, biggest shoes. I think they're the 700 Wave Runners. Those are the biggest shoes. You know, like designer shoes like Balenciaga and stuff like that, they have been oh, doing it. But he yeah. brought us like almost like everyday shoes and people people embraced it. You know, like a lot of the stuff you look at, like I think Kanye is trying to be a minimalist. Like I've yeah. seen like some of the architecture, the designs in his in his home. You look at like them um them them Yeezy slides and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think we gotta also be real, like some of the stuff is it, it just it doesn't it doesn't look good. And I think that Sadly, you can get away with stuff not looking good when it's like high-end designer. You know, like somebody will go out and buy a, a, a ugly Balmain pair of jeans. Like, yeah. Just to be like, these are Balmain jeans. Yeah. But then you're going to go out and spend $90 for a blank hoodie for Gap and be like, this is a Gap hoodie with nothing on it. Whether it's a Russell Athletic or a Walmart hoodie. 
you know what? Maybe it could be maybe it could be that that's his offering at, at a lower price. So I did have something like one of the reasons why he's starting to release so many different colorways of the sneakers and different stuff is to try to drive the price down from like doing the secondary market stuff. Yeah. And there are colors that don't don't which don't generate a lot on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. So I did hear that he's trying to, you know, put out more stuff to try to keep the prices down. But like you said, there's no indication that hoodie comes from him. Yeah, yeah. and he wants though. He he wants to. He I remember he said that when he signed with Adidas, he was like he wants everybody to have an opportunity to own a pair of Yeezys. But supply and demand is important, right? So the value of the shoe is going to decrease if everybody owns this. It's going to be it's not it's not going to be as meaningful. For, um, for people, and you could tell, I guess maybe he's trying to have almost like um like Polo got Ralph Lauren and they got Chaps, like you know, because yeah. his stuff, you could tell his his the the Yeezy Yeezy stuff, all of it got like the homeless apparel feel. It's all got all the holes, the holes yeah, all, all that, and then things that distinctly say whether it's the homeless vibe or not. Say it says Yeezy. You know, but this, this is just like a, a plain black, like you said, Russell Athletic or Gildan hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a real pin that's going for $90. And here's the kicker with, I don't know if you heard this, they said that it's going to take, and I was surprised that Gap did this. I think they said that it's going to take like four to six weeks to ship. What? Now, that's standard practice for like some of these other, like you see, there are people who now manufacture their own sneakers, manufacture their own clothes. Yeah. What they do is they do pre-orders. They get the money from the pre-orders and use the money from the orders yeah. The front, to pay for the manufacturing so they don't have to come out of their own pocket. But Gap is, an, is a company that they, I'm sure they mass produce yeah. stuff, you know, and, and, and crazy quantities. So why wouldn't Gap just go out and buy, you know, thousands of the, a plain blue hoodie style? They can literally probably go to Walmart and buy them all out <laughs> or whatever and, and have them. You know, like, I even looked at the material. I think it says like 100% cotton or something like that. So there is nothing distinctively that stands out that says that this this is a hoodie that's worth $90 other than Kanye West cosign. Now, the, the interesting part about it being a Gap is that the gap every year has like an end of end of every season they have end of season set. So what's gonna happen is this Kanye West um, regular sweatshirt you buy for ninety dollars. By the time it gets to the next season, they're gonna be selling that for nineteen ninety nine or twenty dollars or something online or something or at the store. So I mean, I don't know if you if you really want one, you can wait till they put it in the fall collection. You can wait till the winter and get one for like. 70% off or something, so. Or you could go to Walmart and get one now. Or go on Amazon and get one now. Get you a yeah, you could. Plain, plain black hoodie, plain black blue hoodie or whatever it is, and just be like, yeah, this is a, this is a Yeezy, a Gap Yeezy joint or whatever. I bet you, though, I bet you somebody buy it, and I bet you when it hit the resale market, instead of being $90, somebody will get $100 plus dollars for it. See, the crazy thing is, how do you even identify it as being the Kanye joint off of the picture? I mean, there's tons of black hoodies <laughs> that look the same, and they say a Gap tag in the back. I mean, that could be anything. Maybe the Gap themselves made regular black hoodies, so 
What's the difference between this easy one and that one? Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna have something. The they, they must. I'm sure. I'm sure they're gonna find some way to put something, something on the tag that says Gap Easy. But I guess you know. Again, like maybe this gives everybody. If the theory is this gives everybody an opportunity to to, to own something that says Easy on it. The price point is still high for it to be the Gap. Like, what is the Gap? I haven't bought anything from the Gap in a long time. But what is the Gap sell for ninety dollars? Maybe exactly yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not a lot. The, the, the funniest thing about this, now that you're talking about it, like this is entry to make price point. You selling a regular sweatshirt for $90, that's like going back to, remember when um, Shaq put them Shaq sneakers in Walmart, Walmart and uh, remember the... the like $15, $20, and Steph yeah, had the joints in the Starburst? Yeah, Steph had the Starburries, and wasn't, wasn't, um... Al Harrington has something too he was working with or something. That might have been Am ones or something when they dropped down or something. So if he, if he really wanted to put something with Yeezy on it, and especially a, a blank sweatshirt, he could have collaborated with Walmart. They'd have loved to do it with him, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that put it, if he would have put it in Walmart as Yeezy at $24.99, them shelves would be empty every second. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I guess we gotta stay tuned and figure out what the thought process was behind it. That you know, like I, I understand. I understood being partnered with Gap. I'm like, I think that's cool. That's a good idea. You know, it's a good partnership. But I expected him to produce, produce something. I don't know what I expected him to produce, but I expect him to produce something better than a plain sweatshirt. Like I, I don't. I do want to see it. I'll probably go see it to see what it looks like because just looking at it, I don't even see the string. You know the strings of the regular hoodie? Mm-hmm. Well, it would have cost $130 if they had to put strings in it or something. I don't, I don't know. Like, Man, we, we let's 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 come back to our, um <laughs> the game that we've been playing lately. To give me, give me five. This week we're gonna do five. Uh, give me a five TV show sitcom that your, your, your five favorite your five favorite of all time and then tell me why what makes it a favorite well this is going to be ironic because we talked about them one of them was the Cosby show okay. <laughs> so the, on that show Elite they depicted it's one of the only shows even to this day where black people were depicted in a way where they could be doctors and lawyers in positive ways it wasn't about necessarily all the bad we did in society and all this stuff. You know, it actually showed what a functional middle class or maybe upper middle class family could be and a black family. And it was, you know, and at the same time, I didn't feel like they, they really lost any of themselves in doing it. So it wasn't like they tried to be something else either. Yeah, they didn't pander. I was, you know, I was on the fence because I almost picked the um the Cosby show too for the same thing, same reason you're saying. I'm like, I think it was a good representation. So I, I stayed, for my first one, I stayed close to home with the Cosby show and I went a different world. Okay. And I went with a different world because I, I looked at a different world and I think a different world was like the first time there was like a, a full all out representation of HBCU and pride in actually going to, um, to school. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that they went to college from watching a different world and a different world still, even to this day, there are people that, you know, like from, from generations that's, that's far removed from us, that younger folks that still watch a different world in yeah. syndication and I and I think what's cool about it is that you know 
Bill Cosby appeared in a couple of episodes, but it primarily wasn't about him. The evolution of the show was great. Like that first season, you seen Sandra, so it was a natural spinoff. Yeah. From Denise, you saw Denise, right? So it was a natural spinoff. Denise was in it, and then I don't know if it was maybe by the second or third season, it wasn't even about Denise. It was, you know, um, Dwayne Wayne, Whitley, yeah. um, just everything going on with this place. It it became such folklore that people thought Hillman was a real place. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I I, I go a different world. What's your next one? So now this one is kind of the opposite of that or something because it's kind of like. Listen, I remember the, I used to like to watch different strokes. Different strokes? Okay. Now here's the crazy thing about that is different strokes is actually depicting two black kids getting rescued by a white family. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of foul and it would never rise today. Nobody would ever buy this by that story today. That would be that'd be canceled ASAP. But, but that was that was a that was a Hollywood storyline for a long time. Like that that Hollywood storyline probably follow us all the way up to 2000 because remember you had what was it webster, webster, yeah, webster too. but then you think about like some of the other stuff that they had they it was always the, the dangerous minds yep. the radio the whatever it is it was always the savior coming in and rescuing the little black kids yeah i mean you think about it too or something you, you get the, again you got black kids like it, it's almost like they, they got the you got to see again black kids how they would be how they could thrive in the same the same type of environment had they given the opportunity mm-hmm. well, it also showed how they would change but you know it showed that they you know how they could thrive in that environment too I, the funniest thing is this they definitely there's definitely what i would say the the, the a big time proof or evidence of life not limiting imitating art because all the people in there Lost their minds, drug addicts, died, all crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett, maybe, though. I wonder if Mrs. Garrett is still alive. Yeah. Um, For my second one, I'm going to go good. I'm going to go good times. And the reason why I say um, good times is because I think good times was like a real accurate depiction of what uh, uh, um, I can't even say working class. (laughs) How you call it? Uh, uh, family living in poverty in Cabrini Green, the projects in Chicago, what they had to go through. You know, you had, it was as real as you seen the, the pops who couldn't keep the job, the moms trying to hold down the, um, the fort in the house, the brother who had aspirations to go to college, then you had the other brother that was autistic, you had the, the, um, the sister, uh, and it seems like that they, they never could come up. Like, I remember they, they thought they was coming up when James was getting a job in oh, Mississippi. Yeah. He, they ended up killing them off. <laughs> yeah, died in a, in, a, in a car accident. And then the um when when Penny thought that she was going to get out of projects and she was with dude that was a football player, something happened and JJ broke his leg. Oh, and been, yeah, and it was just it just um showed like I think like a real good depiction of of. You know, not to sound cliche, but like them struggling <laughs> and surviving in the in the hood. So I got um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with good times for my second one. And, and I had good times too. I had I had good times for one of the shows too. For what's in for what's in the same reasons you had. It was one of those those shows where where it again it it, it shows. I mean, a lot of stuff now is it's a little more it's a little different because of the reference and time frame. People still going through this stuff every single day. Yeah. Like they, they, they're struggling. The, the struggle that they have is real. 
and how we push him, how we persevere through it. But like yeah. you said, that's my iconic theme there, like the I'm um, the down, 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 <laughs> down, down, down. Yeah, What's so, your third one? <laughs> I had listen. This is this is funny. I had Law and Order. Law and Order is a great show. It's a popular one. Law and Order. Let me tell you, I just recently read when I was thinking about this. It was interesting that Law and Order SVU is the second longest running show to The Simpsons. I can believe that. Yeah. And I, it was interesting because I read an article from Ice T a while back where Ice T said he would never leave. They would have to drag him off the show. Because I, I, I believe he could. I think he gets paid almost a million dollars an episode now. Something crazy like that. And it's, I mean, it's a great show. It's a great yeah, show. I mean, the show itself, I mean, a lot of times they touch on the headlines or something. You can use you can generally if you watch the news pick up on some of the stuff they they you know they yeah. and some of the spins they put on it and you know you get to see like what's interesting is how you see people progress from being able to the officers to to the detectives to the chiefs yeah. and type of stuff so yeah. that was one of the ones I picked yeah for my next one I'm gonna go to um cable Sopranos and to me like um the what i what i really liked about the um the sopranos is we got to see the inner the inner workings of um of the mob with these fictional characters um and we have to see i guess like like some of their some some of their humanistic qualities so you know you know tony soprano is this big time mob boss dude but then you see his interaction with his son and his daughter you see his conflict resolution skills or lack thereof when he's going in business you see um like the development of the characters like you think back you look at like the early seasons of where his nephew chris was to towards the end like the kind of the stature the clout that he had and the, the, how their relationship ended with tony eventually you know when they got in the car and tony i don't know how much of this you watched or if you've seen it but tony had to get yeah. up killing him rather than rescuing him yeah. You know, um, even though it was anticlimactic, the way it ended, I think that they, I think the door has been left open for anybody who's followed that from start to finish to be able to kind of formulate whatever they want the ending to be. So for some people, it's like you know, um, Tony and his family went away and lived happily. For some people, it's the dude who came in through the door, shot and killed Tony. You know, but it, it just um high color. Like I think that that was and I think HBO that pops, like I think HBO turns out some phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. television shows. And I think that's what fifty cent honestly is starting to do with stars. Um also because stars has a lot of great shows too. Yeah, they do. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go I go Sopranos for my third one. What you have for your fourth one? So uh, just on the Sopranos thing, um they have um I think it's called Newark Saints coming out a Soprano story on HBO Max. Wow. So that's, that should be pretty good. It's like a full-length um, film. And they, aren't they doing the, um, is, is that the one that's supposed to be the prequel with James Gandolfini's son or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Yeah, that'd be hot. What, do you, what you got for number four? What's your fourth one? So this this one was in, I chose the Saturday Live. Okay. Because I think, I think if you look at comedians all the way through, some of the best work that some of these comedians have ever done it's been a and like some of the, the funniest skits and the funniest times you've had all the way through through has been some of the, the, the phenomenal through that it seems like i guess because of the show that it is and the level of you know that you have to be on there 
everybody seems to want to bring their best to the table when they are Saturday Live. It's almost like um, it's almost like a rite of passage or a badge of courage for comedians to get on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And they they come in and they just do their best work. Like I remember the the within the most recent one this year. You see the Dave Chappelle one this year? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, mean, I seen Dave. I seen Dave Chappelle. You know what I um. I do think that Saturday Saturday Night Live was like used to be through the 80s and the 90s was like a launching pad for a lot of young comedians, you know, and especially you think about like you like the Eddie Murphys, the Dan Ackroyd, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Chris Rock. It's just so many people, so many of them got the opportunity. And I wonder, I look at their um their cast now. I think they have Jay Farrell, Michael yeah. Che, um, and they got what's the guy? Is it Keenan or Keenan Thompson? I think. Yeah, or whatever. He's been there for twenty years. He's been there twenty yeah, years. Yeah, so that's that's what I was about to say. I yeah. wonder, like, how come he hasn't ascended to do other things? Like, is it that he's become complacent? And he's like, yo, this this is this is it for me. I peaked at Saturday Saturday Night Live because you're right. Saturday Saturday Night Live was a rite of passage where everybody just goes through. They cut their chops and then they would go. They they skyrocket. Their stock in Hollywood was through the roof. Yeah, yeah. Was was I know he's got a show called Keenan. I don't know how well that's going. Yeah, I, and I know I, something happened with Jay Farrell. I think he did. Was his show in relation to Fifty Cent too? He had. I watched his show. He had a show. I forget what Almost Famous. I think it was called yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was it was okay, but it got canceled. It was okay. Yeah, it was yeah. I think it got canceled because of something else that happened off, you know, off the actual scene oh, too. Okay. In relation to, to something, I think Fifty Cent or somebody might have been behind that show too. But it's, they haven't yeah. really produced, produced like too many new people coming out like ascending through that too. Mm-hmm. It's yo, it's crazy that you would mention um, Saturday Night Live because I had on my list in Living Color, yeah. and I put in Living Color because I thought I. Same, same reason. I'm like, okay, Living Color launched so many different people's career. And Living Color, when I was a kid, it was a staple to be in the house on Sunday. Make sure Sunday at 8 o'clock you turn on Living Color because it, it just embodied the culture. Like, you know, the dancing and the, the, the clothing, the music, the comedy. You know, and Living Color, Tommy Davidson, um, Keenan Ivy Wayne, Damon Wayne, Sean Wayne. Uh, Jim Carrey. Um, what's the what's the other, I forget the other Jennifer name. Lopez. Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer Lopez. But there's a um, Kim Whitley. Kim Whitley, David Allen Graham. Yeah, like all of these people came through there, and as a result, of, as a result of coming through there, let had this like this lasting impression on the culture. Like that, I watch in Limit Color now. Like I see sometimes the refund, the reruns, and. You know, it, to me, a living color aged better than Martin. You know, like, and you know, like some of the Martin stuff I look at now, and I'm like, damn, like, who laughed at this stuff? Um, but then living color stuff I still look at, and I, you know, you are, you're not gonna get the same laugh, but you know, you, it's, it's still good sketch comedy. Um, I, I read probably like maybe like a year ago, a book, um, in living color. It was like a uh, behind the scenes telling like all the different stories and everything. And it was amazing, like the stuff that Keenan Ivy Wayne's had to go through, like the battle with the um, the network to keep and Lemon Color on the yeah. air. It talked about like Tommy Davidson's 
cocaine addiction and how there was like infighting amongst the staff and what it meant with Jim Carrey leaving and with Damon Wayans leaving and all the stuff and that, and that they they have said that for many years they were trying to do like a reboot of it but what happened was Keenan Ivy Wayans was saying that the only way that he would ever touch it again is if he could have 100% greater control on it so you know as a result of it now we got I mean they're not the greatest films but I think I honestly feel like Sean and Marlon Wayans have bought like like to me Don't Be a Menace is a hilarious a hilarious film like White Chicks you know like they brought us some films that they're not gonna they're not Oscar worthy films but you know it, they serve a purpose in, 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 in film they write a lot more involved in a lot more movies than people think like this and even um, Let's Be Cops yeah yeah. They're involved in so many things, and when you, when you look at like the Living Color, you could arguably say that that listen, Saturday Night Live left off, like you said, in that nineties, eighties, two thousand thing, and they picked up where they left yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people like Jim Jim Carrey's success is like meteoric. Exactly, like, he went through the roof, and that yeah, was kind exactly. of like how Saturday Night Live went. And I think honestly, probably where they left off, I think Dave Chappelle. Probably yeah. came after with them, like the next big thing. Who who you got for your fifth one? We'll show you. The fifth one, it was it was like it was a toss up because listen, I'm, I'm sitting there like I'm trying to figure out am I gonna go submit the shows or what am I gonna put in the criteria and different stuff like that. And this is funny, so I come to realize that I've watched Jeopardy for 20 years. Jeopardy is a, is a staple. Yeah, like for 20 years, sometimes I watch Jeopardy. And I think I think one of the things about it is that it just it's like there's a lot of people that watch Jeopardy. I'm sure it's just one of those things where you you listen you, you, at times you actually realize you know a little more than what you think you know <laughs> on some of these questions. And it's interesting now because years ago people weren't winning this type of money. Like you might have somebody win Jeopardy for a week or something. Or you get to know two, but now you got a dude that's a bar. The bartender from Brooklyn is one for six weeks straight, and he's up to five hundred and seventy thousand on Jeopardy. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it's astronomical. I mean, I don't know if we could attest that to the school system or, or what, but I think you know. I, I know. I think the, the the correlation is I think that because it's become a, a staple that people have watched it for so long. And it's almost like, um, like remember White Men Can't Jump, where you have Rosie Perez, her whole thing was to get on Jeopardy. Yeah, and yeah. I, people that literally watch those shows and be like, if I ever get on Jeopardy, if I ever get on Price is Right, if I ever get on yeah. Wheel of Fortune, and that, that, you know, I mean, I don't know what it is now with Alex Trebek not being yeah. there, because I know they went through some scandal also with the dude that, that they had initially wanted to put put in there for him, but it's, 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 um, it's a landmark. It's like you've come to expect that Jeopardy is gonna be on. You know, I I don't think I've ever heard anybody ever mention what the ratings are for Jeopardy. I just always assume that Jeopardy was always gonna be there. But I would yeah. imagine look, Jeopardy probably won God only knows how many Emmys. Um for you know for their show. I got I have another one and then I got two honorable mentions. Oh okay. Sesame Street. Sesame Street. Oh and the reason okay. why Sesame Street is yeah. I think Sesame Street is responsible for educating so many people. Oh, I know Sesame Street taught people English. Sesame Street has put their foot now in the um, in the water of politics to try to teach kids how politics works. 
They, um, Sesame Street is now trying to hand with sexuality. How that's gonna work? I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah. Sesame Street to me is a, is is a staple. And Sesame Street, when it's all said and done, if it ever is done for Sesame Street, because I think Sesame Street probably is one of the longest running shows, yeah, all time. You know, and then I, I, isn't Sesame Street is like on public, technically on public broadcast, yeah, yeah. right? All, all donations. Yeah, so that should tell you about the longevity and the value of um, of a show like Sesame Street. And, you know, on Sesame Street, I, I don't think and there was some scandal with the dude who was playing Elmo <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but I've never heard like Sesame Street really, really. I've never heard somebody say Sesame Street had a bad episode or Sesame Street. <laughs> you know, this season was terrible or whatever it is. Like I think Sesame Street is another thing, like similar to Jeopardy, is a is a is a staple. Um, and then the other the other thing that I'm gonna go with another show that to me is I think like set the benchmark really really high. Um, again with HBO The Wire. Yeah, I think The Wire to me was a phenomenal series from season one to the final season. Like I, yeah. I, the the season I liked the least was the season where they focused on the docs. But yeah. after watching it all in its entirety, I realized I'm like okay now I can see why. The dots play, you know, the discussion or, or the season involving the dots play such a significant role. So, The Wire for me, I, I thought The Wire was like very well written. Um, yeah. And then last, my my last, my honorable mention that I'll say, and it probably sound bug because you know it's it's different from a lot of these other shows. But Cheers, I think also, Cheers, like Cheers, sort of yeah. fell in that era to me when you had like the Cheers, you had the Golden Girls, you had. Mr. Belvin or whatever it was, but Cheers, Cheers was Cheers was a a, a a phenomenon, and I'm trying to think as many times that I've watched Cheers, I don't know if I could think of how many scenes I've seen where they weren't actually in the bar. I think I, I mean I don't know if that how many it was that was there. They actually they really filmed that whole thing in the bar. Yeah. And how many seasons did people actually watch Cheers and let the storylines play out of even the, um, the the relationship between um, this dude Sam and Rebecca? Well, I forget yeah. what name was or whatever. Everything transpired yeah. in the bar. Every everything was about the bar, and I, you know, I, I think that was like Cheers to me is iconic, you know, and. and and it, it get high call. I, like I give, I give it this props. Like I've, I've never watched people like how to do. I've never watched an entire episode of Friends, but a lot of people swear by Friends too. Yeah, people, people do love, love it. It's not, I don't put your mind watching like that. Or I've seen it, but that's not something you know. That I get, I get the premise or something. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I've never watched. I've never watched an entire episode. A friend, but I've seen many episodes of Cheers. I've seen many episodes of um, Golden Girls. I've seen, of course, Mr. Belvedere. Um, those type of shows. I, and you know, it's another thing that now looking back at like some of these shows, some of these shows that it felt like when you were younger that they were on forever. Some of these shows didn't have like really as long of a run as you, you know, yeah. as you may have thought that they they had. Another another show that I think there was a. Um, a really great show also that um i think that they kind of threw a stain in how good of a show it was was um family matters oh yeah family matters yeah family matters was a good show I, you know what I, I was actually watching that the other day yeah, yeah. family matters was a good show 
towards the end it just got crazy with Urkel and out of space and yeah. <laughs> it was I, I saw a really good interview a really good interview with Jaleel White and he was talking about it and actually it was Tyler Quali that was interviewing him and he was saying yeah. that one of the struggles that they had was that it was um the writers were white and it was a black family and they were trying to write stuff that they thought would be funny for a black family and he said yeah. that it, it really was and you know, he said it was like by no fault of Miller and Boyette, the production company, but he said it took like a real long time for them to, to really get to the nitty gritty and figure it out. Um, and then he talked about like all the stuff around like the pushback that he got from his family and his dad when they started dressing him up as um, the cousin and the dresses and all that Yeah, you know, yeah, multiple roles. Stefan O'Carroll says the the cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's sad about that too? I think think I heard something too. Like a lot of times, like classical actors and all types of stuff, they oh, I'm gonna tell you another show that we completely forgot about. Fresh That's Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, Bel Air. A lot of people love too. But when you think about these classically trained actors. The show started off about a family, and then it focused on, then it turned into almost like the Urkel show. Yeah. Everybody else was, was kind of like secondary people. So mm-hmm. at that point, it was so bad because think about how many sisters they flipped through that you didn't even, you didn't even, they had Waldo and um and this dude, and his little sister got flipped through how many times? And people didn't even realize she'd get flipped through. <laughs> it takes out like three times. Well, he 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 made a good point. You know, I don't I, you know Reginald Val Johnson. He was saying how simplistic their the writing was when it started out. He said that Reginald Val Johnson had just came off of doing Die Hard, so he was a familiar face to the cops. So they what did they do? They made the father a cop. Yeah. The mom, I forget her name. Her name is I think it's it's Joe Joe Marie or something. The yeah. mom was on, I don't know if you remember, she was on Perfect Strangers working in the, the department store. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They kept that too or whatever, and they just basically moved these two people over from, oh, I've seen them in this and that as as a department store working a cop, put them together, and then as a result of it, create, created a family. But Reginald Bell Johnson, Joe um, jo Marie, and I think they had, didn't they have Thelma Hopkins? These were all yeah, like, Hopkins, like big, big, big to do. These were all big to do. Um, actors and actress that basically they had to play second fiddle to him with the, the comedy relief. And I didn't even realize he said that he did he said that he wasn't even on the initial episode. That he wasn't on the initial episode and that they did a test. They did they must have did a test run or something like that. And people really, really resonated to him, so they went back and refilmed and reinserted him. In, in, in the early episodes, oh, found wow. a way in the early episodes. So I don't know, but that's 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 um that's my five. I still hands down say I feel like HBO develops some of the um some of the best television shows, and you yeah. know people leave it, leave you know leave their their television shows in the comments. I know Game of Thrones is a big one that people love. Yeah. Uh, Walking Dead, I know people love. Um, ER is a big one. Yeah, that I know ER is a big one. Um, Fresh, of course, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. A lot of people love also, and I, I was a fan of Fresh Prince of Bel Air also. But after a while, Fresh Prince of Bel Air became stale to me. Um, yeah. Also, this when he started going to college and, they, and all that type of stuff, mm-hmm. it kind of took a turn. Yeah. 
Well, that concludes episode 97. We closing in on the 100 mark. You know, we're trying to put something special together for our 100th show. Thank you for checking in. We'll catch you all next week. Peace, everybody.